Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, welcome back. So this is a reminder that October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And as you may or may not have seen on uh, the gram, Susan Guthrie uh, and Beverly Price and I have sort of joined forces and created something called the Divorce Coalition. And we are raising awareness and doing more things together on uh, combating domestic violence And there will be more on that coming down the pike. But I'm also really, really busy with my book launch. And my book comes out at the end of the year. And it may seem like that's kind of far away. But oh my God, you guys, it's the middle of October. (laughs) So there's a lot to do there. And I just sort of went, you know what? Basically, all I do is talk about domestic violence. In one form or another, almost all of my work is focused on domestic violence. So for me to say, I'm going to take time out of my regularly scheduled programming to talk about domestic violence is a little bit disingenuous because really that's all I talk about. Um, So I just decided that I was going to keep what was in the pipeline so that I could keep my focus on rather than creating new content for the podcast for this month. Um, really just keep it on what I had already planned. So that's what's happening over here. And so today I am joined by Patty Handy. And Patty was spent 20 years as a financial advisor and mortgage advisor. And after having countless conversations with women and also going through her own divorce, she decided to pursue her dream of financial coaching for women. When her son was just 18 months old, her husband told her that he wanted a divorce. After he left, she really wasn't sure how she was going to get through, as so many of us feel, right? How she was going to get through the next hour, the next days, the, the next months, and Uh, So Patty really works with women um, as a financial coach, especially women going through this transition. So I am very happy to welcome Patty to the podcast today. So here's my conversation with Patty Handy. Patty, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Why don't you start with just telling us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up where you are now. Sure. Um, I'll give you the high uh, level, we're just digest version. Otherwise it can be a 45 minute conversation. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> high level. I came out of college um, in, in accounting. I went into corporate banking. Um, I got married, had my son. That was a difficult road. We tried for five years and finally got pregnant with in vitro, which was a very emotional roller coaster. When he was 18 months old, my husband asked for a divorce, which 
I thought at first he was kidding because I just thought, what the heck? It was such a blindsided situation. And um, I could tell by the look on his face, he wasn't kidding. So we went through a divorce. And for his sake, uh, my son's sake, we kept it very peaceful, you know, bury him in, in the mess of everything. I was unemployed because I left my banking career to raise my son. I wanted to, after five years of trying, I wanted to be at home with him. So um, after a few fumbles, I landed in the mortgage business. I was a mortgage advisor and was there about 17 years, which allowed me to work at home and gave me flexibility with my schedule uh, to you know, work on my own hours. And then I went into financial planning. I was a financial advisor for, for many years. So that kind of a combination with my life going solo and managing my divorce, learning the mistakes that I made, I decided to leave my my full-time career in financial planning and I went into financial coaching. Mm-hmm. And I worked primarily with divorced, widowed and single women because I heard the same conversations over and over again, which was overwhelm and fear and embarrassment and shame. And I don't know what I'm doing. And my husband took care of everything. And, and I thought I can't take care of this as a financial advisor, but I can do it as a coach, which is why I took that leap of faith and jumped ship. (laughs) So which, what is it that you could, what is it specifically that you couldn't do as a financial advisor that you can do as a coach that you feel is more necessary and helpful to women? So as a financial advisor, um, our role is to manage the money, talk about tax strategies, talk about strategies to manage those those investments. And there wasn't a lot of dedicated time to having those in-depth conversations when it came to almost life coaching and uh-huh. behavior, you know the the uh, behavioral coaching piece. It was um, more mechanical. There was some right. kind of you know high level conversation, but it wasn't going deep. And I wanted uh-huh. to go deep into that relationship and help these women through the process of divorce and widowhood and, and kind of managing money on their own, where with a financial advisor, there was, a, you know, there was enough bandwidth and there was enough hours in the day to do it all and meet with all of our clients. Okay. So now as a, as a financial coach, right. I know one of the things that you really work on and you have a, a program, I believe, is it uh, the money mindset? your money mindset program, because obviously that's not something you're going to be working on as, in, as a financial advisor, right? That's like, the course is called minding her money and there's nine modules. And one of the modules is about the money mindset. It's understanding our relationship with money and, and, and our subconscious programming and limiting beliefs, all of that, how that intertwines with our life today. And that's just one of the nine modules of the course. I see. Okay. What else, just out of curiosity, what else do you cover in the course? Very comprehensive. We talk about uh, the money mindset. We talk about self-care, the importance of that. That's really where we start. Um, getting organized and just getting all the documents in place, getting all the, you know, the debts, the the, uh, the income, the assets, just managing everything. We go into uh, debt and we go through managing those debts, paying those off, the different ways that we pay those off how to earn a side hustle and you know, kind of gain some extra income to uh, pay down those credits. We go into rebuilding credits and getting our credit score up, um, buying a house on your own, what that looks like. Um, and then we have two modules on investing. So one is very, very basic. We talk about just the, you know, the definitions of a mutual fund and a, and a you know, ETF, exchange traded fund, index funds, just, you know, the basics. And then the other module was a little bit more complicated in that it goes into some tax strategies and some um, more in-depth in-depth uh, investing conversation. And then we talk about our retirements and our legacy. So it's a 
it's a very holistic, comprehensive program. And the cool thing is it's done in the privacy comfort of your own home. It's an online course and you can watch it at your own pace. And it's uh, meant for your busy schedule. It sounds really, really great. One of the modules you talked about was all the various ways. I think you said that you can pay down debt, right? And so for women who are getting divorced or are divorced and they're finding themselves saddled with debt that, you know, that they're struggling to pay off. What are some of, what are some of the ways that you recommend people do it? Because I know that there's different, there's a lot of different schools of thought on this, right? And I'm curious what your uh, thoughts are on it. So um, first and foremost, I would say, you know, sit down with an Excel spreadsheet and I can send you one if you want. And basically list out all your debts. It's surprising how many people don't really have that documented. So mm-hmm. who the card is uh, is for, the amount outstanding, the interest rate, mm-hmm. and the minimum balance. A lot of times if I ask clients what their interest rate is on their card, they don't know. So go to the statement, take a look at those interest rates. And there's two ways to pay those down. One is you look at the highest interest rate and pay that down first and attack that full force. So in doing so, you're paying the minimum on the other cards and everything else and and anything extra that you have to put towards credit card debt, you're just putting towards the highest interest rate card. Right, right. You're paying minimum and everything else. Like you said, just full on attack that highest interest rate card. The other one, so so that one makes the most sense from a numbers perspective. Right. The other one is more um, emotionally charged. So that is looking at the lowest balance. So if you've got a a $300 balance on one card and a $6,000 balance, even though the interest rate is higher on the $6,000, you pay the $300 balance out off first, which gives you that sense of, okay, one less card, that's great. And then you move forward to the the next lowest balance. So you're not looking at the interest rate per se, but you're looking at that momentum that you're building. So you're paying the minimum on everything else and then just you know, focus on getting that lowest balance paid off in full. I really, I like that one. I would do that one if if, yeah. <laughs> if I had it to do again, um, because I do, I like that feeling of like, ah, okay. Like yeah. I shut, you know, those of us who like to check things off a, yes. um, you know, a to-do list, <laughs> it's sort of like that, right? Absolutely. For women who are starting out and starting over again and really needing to, I think there's different schools of thought again on this about whether you're creating a budget versus a spending plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what can you talk about what the difference is between those two and what it what you advise people, how you advise people on creating a budget or a, versus a spending plan? Sure. Or- yeah, a budget and a spending plan is essentially the same thing. The budget term seems constrictive and restrictive. It's kind of like being on a really strict, strict diet and counting calories and weighing your food and all that super impossible stuff. And if if someone told me I had to weigh my food and count my calories, I would probably pop you and say, that's not going to happen. Right. Right. So if I say, watch your every penny, watch your every dollar, it's going to be like, and it's just this task of, you know, yuck. So a spending tracker is, is, is essentially this, doing the same thing. You're just watching what is going out and what's coming in. You're looking at where you can tighten up the ship, so to speak, and put mm-hmm. holes, you know, and fill all those holes in, in the boat that, that's making you sink. It is watching your spending. It is kind of looking at what you're, what, what, what's going out. Because a lot of times 
we don't even realize the little dollars are going in and out and then and then realize oh wow i just spent a hundred dollars on coffee this month or you know whatever it is that you did yeah and generally speaking i don't love to say this constrictive you know mentality however if you're in a situation where you do have debt and your focus is paying off the debt this is a chapter in your book that you have got to focus on and just know it's temporary and once it's behind you you can go you know, live the life that you want to lead, assuming it makes financial sense. So I often talk about, you know, focusing on your why. Why is it that you want to be out of debt? What is it that it's going to bring you? The financial freedom, you know, peace of mind, the the sleepless nights will go away. I mean, all, all those emotional triggers that we deal with, yeah. um, that's our why. And that's what's going to keep us on track. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of women go into debt during divorce, right? They are putting attorney retainers on credit because at this point, like getting out of the marriage is more important or being well represented is more important than their debt. How do you advise women to sort of, you know, they don't have the same financial picture, right? They might be really financially disempowered, but yet they, their shit, they got to pay for because that's, you know, what divorce is. How do you advise women to sort of walk that line and hold that balance? It's a tricky one. And I was there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I was the money person in the family. I was the one that did the investing and the paying the bills and all that. And and with that knowledge, I even, you know, got myself into pickles. I got myself into credit card debt. And um, I had, you know, very, very little coming in and a lot of money going out. Mm-hmm. And I started to buy groceries on my credit card and I started to, you know, pay utilities on my credit card. And it was just to keep a you know, roof over my head and my son's head. And so I get that. And it's a very frightening, um, overwhelming place to be. And I totally understand that, that fear of, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get off underneath this. Right. And it's, it's one step at a time. It's one yeah. step at a time and having that plan. So Kind of, you know, what I mentioned earlier is, is you know, sit down, get an understanding of what it is that you've got going on, what's coming in, what's going out, how you can tighten that, you know, tighten those reins as tight as you can for now, just knowing it's temporary. Yeah. Looking at ways you can earn some side income, and in, you know, there's a there's so many ways you can get some side income from, you know, the beauty of your home these days, right? There's there's all kinds of online opportunities, so seek them out, even if it's a couple hours a week whatever extra income you make, you just, you know, stockpile it down on, on that, you know, that debt and, and have, have a plan. You've got to have a plan in place. You just can't kind of willy nilly decide I'm just going to get out of debt and then just throw money at the cards. You've got to really have that dedicated plan. And then, you know, the biggest thing is just have grace, you know, give yourself grace. It's, it's a, it's a tough time emotionally. It's costing. It is, you know, traumatic. If you've got family, if you've got kids, you're dealing with that, you know, that mess as well. Be gentle with yourself and talk to yourself as if you're talking to your best friend going through the same thing. And just mm-hmm. know that this is temporary and you will get out of it. And uh, with the with, with the plan, you you know, you you will get to the other side. You yeah. just you have to just know that. Yeah. I like the idea that like, you know, this too shall pass, right? I mean, I I always I talk about how how much debt and credit card 
debt I racked up for the same reasons in the first good five years after my divorce. I mean, it was like the first couple of years were fine because I had spousal support, but then like it fell off a cliff. And, you know, I thought, oh, two years would be totally fine. It wasn't. And I was too putting, you know, the electric bill on a credit card and maxing out credit cards and having to open other second credit card, third credit, you know, and the amount of debt that I racked up was terrifying. And I'm still paying it off, by the way, but I'm almost done. Yeah, right. But like, it really is something that a lot of us end up going through. I mean, I think we can talk a little bit about our culture, like our financial culture in this country is not really designed to be supportive <laughs> in any of anyone going through any sort of, you know, financial struggle, right? When you've got health insurance costing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month for like one person. I mean, just the bare minimums, the, the fact that we have credit cards that have 26, 30% interest. It's insane. Absolutely insanity. Absolute yeah. insanity. Yeah. Are there any, do you have advice for people on, like I have a client who was like, it's great. I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on my divorce so far. And every single ounce of it has gone on miles cards. So mm-hmm. that I then like basically paying for my divorce is also paying for my kids and I to go on vacation. And so she has a little bit of, you know, while she's racking up tons of debt, she's also building a miles bank that she's able to then use for a little R and R in the process. And I really love that. Yeah. That that is nice. You're, you know, it's sort of the silver lining um, to the, to the dark cloud and just, I mean, obviously you've got to be careful with that, um, but it is a great way for you to take advantage of, you know, this reality that you've got to pay these, these attorneys and the other expenses to live and just, you know, manage that. I would also say to call the credit card companies, there's no harm in talking to a manager. Don't, don't talk to the person that answers the phone. They're typically not the ones that can help you. Right. They don't have any authority. Yeah. They have no authority to make any kind of decision. So have a conversation with a supervisor um, of some sort, explain your situation and try to negotiate a lower interest rate. I also personally um, I would balance transfer to those 0% yes. cards. And those yeah. were, you know, there, there's some out there that are 18 months or, or two years. Uh-huh. And there's a cost to doing that. But if you look at the math, you know, 0% versus 30%, how much faster you can get out of that debt. And that, you know, that, that those numbers make sense. You've got to kind of run those numbers. Look, look at that as well. But definitely call the credit card companies and just and just say, look, I'm I'm having a problem. I don't want to declare bankruptcy. I don't want to, you know, go that route. I want to pay this off, but I need some yeah. help and, and see what they can do. There are also some really, there's some really shady ones, but there are also some very good debt consolidation companies that are nonprofits, right? The most important thing is that you want to um work with one that's a nonprofit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And only when you're gonna, because they they'll they're gonna cancel your cards. You're not gonna be able to use them anymore. So it's important that you are at a point where the consolidation payoff amount, you have enough money so that you don't have to continue to rack up debt. Yeah, definitely be careful because there are a lot of shady ones, like you said. You've got to do your homework with regards to who you talk to, research them online. Um, I would say look for a nonprofit. I know I use one. I I don't think it's Maybe I don't know. I could I could recommend it, but I don't want to take any. <laughs> I 
don't want to get any sort of in any trouble for it. But I think the most important thing is is for to to know that it's a nonprofit. They're not they're not making money off of you. They're actually really their mission is to help you when you get yeah. to that point. Yeah. I mean, and I, you know, I would tell you, I mean, I use them and, and it's just absolutely, it was really life-saving. <laughs> so when women first get divorced, what is your, your top, maybe three like steps people should take when they're regards to their money, when they're getting divorced? You know, when they're, when they're first getting divorced, um, although it's not really directly about money, I do focus on the self-care piece. Because we are in such a black cloud. We yep. are in a, a lot of pain. We're dealing with grief. We're dealing with trying to navigate family, money, the house, career. I mean, we've got so many plates in the air that self-care is the last thing that we're focusing on. And then we get sick. And yep. then we can't be good to anybody, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I'm not saying take three hours a day and you know go and enjoy a massage. I'm talking about taking 20 minutes and going on a walk, um, going in your room for 10 minutes for quiet meditation, doing some deep breathing exercises, get on the phone with a friend who understands your situation and just vent and cry and do whatever you have to do to get that stuff out of you. Those are all little steps that are focused on, on, on self-care. And it rolls into how we are then financially. We are then in a place where we can think clearly. Yeah. We can make good decisions financially. Yeah. We are able to look at the situation from a uh, a clear mind, not one of panic and That's fear. Right. Because if right. we're making financial decisions in a place where we're, you know, panicked, they're gonna be very, very bad financial decisions. That's right. Try to avoid any big decisions very early on, unless you absolutely have to. If it's something that you have no choice and you've got to decide something, then find a financial advisor that you personally know or trust or a family member uses. You've got some direct correlation with them or work with a coach, work with a CPA, work with an attorney, work with an expert that can guide you gently that you trust. Yeah. And and that's, that's really the, you know, one of the first and foremost things I would say to do. Yeah. And I think a CDFA is also a very good idea at this point because which is a certified divorce financial analyst for those who don't know, because they're like, they're, that's their job is like helping you figure out all the moving pieces, financial pieces during your divorce, right. And setting you up for success. Yeah. And they they can also look at your entire financial picture. And not only do they look at like, okay, if, if, if what your settlement is, is fair and if, if what you're getting is fair and doing some of those calculations with you, but they help you in your financial plan kind of moving forward. So they're also financial planners with that, with that CDFA specialty, definitely. And, and I have individuals I can refer that are CDFAs um, and CFPs who are certified financial planners. So if anybody wants recommendations, feel free to reach out to me. Are CDFAs location-specific, state-specific? Is there like a state licensure with that or is it national? A CFA or CFP? A CDFA. Oh, CDFA. Um, I believe it's nationwide. Yeah, it's yeah. not a state-specific. State now, a divorce number is a divorce number. If you're if you're if you're being treated equally and fairly, those calculations are going to be the same. If there's some sp- state specific issues, I would say talk to a CPA that knows those you know in your state that mm-hmm. can help you with the CDFA and work together for some of the tax consequences and and make sure that you're not going to get bit in the you know the backside the tax perspective. Right. Right. Yes. But like general planning and like, you know, money's money, no matter, no matter. That's a national. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. A CFE is typically under FINRA, which is a federal you know, licensing. If they work for an RIA, they're under the SEC, which is, again, under a federal. So they all have the fiduciary relationship. If you're a CFP, they have a fiduciary relationship to do what's in the best interest of the client. And that's on a national level. And now for a quick word from our sponsor. The all-new, fully revised, Should I Stay or Should I Go? After three years of this program existing in the world and changing women's lives, I decided to give it a full makeover. The all-new version has all-new videos, a podcast-like audio stream if you want to take the work on the go, and completely updated resources for deepening your learning. The program consists of six core modules, the first of which is Who Are You? This is the section in which you dig deeply into your own personal development and get in touch with your inner guide, slay your inner critics, mine for values, and learn how to set healthy boundaries. The second module is how you learn to love and helps you understand your attachment style, love languages, and how to properly love and care for the most important person in all of this, yourself. Module three is called, Why Are Women So Exhausted?, and breaks down some of the issues around toxic masculinity and male entitlement, the myth of being a stay-at-home mom, and answers the question, he's fine. Why can't I just be happy? Module four is all about understanding abuse and includes videos on trauma bonds, understanding the cycles of abuse, particularly how they play out in your own relationship, and addresses addiction, infidelity, and mental illness. Module 5 is all about healing and moving forward and includes videos about therapy, couples therapy, healing from betrayal, emotional regulation, and grief. This section also includes my 90-minute workshop, Tackling Codependence, as well as my signature relationship inventory that will help you gain complete clarity on all the parts of your marriage and figure out what's his and what's yours. And module six answers the question, is the grass really greener on the other side? With in-depth videos on dating, cultural and religious isolation, and what happens if you end up alone forever? Spoiler, you probably won't. Whether you decide to stay or go, this program will set you up for a lifetime of clarity and fulfillment. And if you've already decided to go, the program will help you unpack all that's happened and help you heal so that you can move forward without repeating the same mistakes that got you here in the first place. This program is priced super low at just $697. And if you use the code PODCAST, when you check out, you'll get $50 off the full price. What are you waiting for? You have been agonizing with this decision for long enough. It's time to finally know, should you stay or should you go? And now back to our episode. I'm curious about investing. I've never ha- had the money to do it or like, you know, and now I have like a couple of accounts, but it's really more like I've got my SEP IRA. I've got, right. So like when it comes to like, when I, like when I think about the stock market, I want to like, I, I just glaze over and go to sleep. So where do you advise people to start if they're like, okay, I'm, you know, my credit card is now, do do we have to pay off our credit cards before we start investing? Like, what what do you advise on that? So no, we don't need to pay off our credit cards in full to be able to start investing. We absolutely okay. investing because time is your time is your superpower on investing. Rest. You know, compound interest is a beautiful thing. 
And the sooner you can get that money to work for you, and the longer you have it working for you, the better. To wait until all your debts paid off before you invest is, is going to be a long-term financial mistake. So first and foremost, I would say max your 401k out. If you are working as an employer or employee and their employer matches, that's free money. That's that's kind of definite. If your employer has a Roth a Roth option within the 401k, it is a better way to go because that grows tax-free and is withdrawn tax-free versus right. a traditional 401k, which is tax-deferred. And then when you take it out, it's considered ordinary income. So your tax, whatever your tax rate is at that time. A Roth is a beautiful thing. If you're self-employed like yourself, there's certainly this, the set IRAs. Um, if you have a company, you can do a solo 401k and put more money into, into that way. Do your own Roth within your solo 401k. But in terms of like the brokerage piece, your taxable brokerage account. So let's say you're maxed out on your retirement side and you want to start investing in the, just your regular brokerage money. Um, one of my pieces in the my, my module, I actually jump onto a brokerage house website and I walk you through how to look at a fund and how to look at expense ratios and look at the the performance so that mm-hmm. all that isn't overwhelming. So you can see firsthand, it really isn't that difficult. The, the, the mechanics of the money isn't hard. Once you learn it, you learn it. Once you learn it, you know it. And it's, it's very empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about just jumping on those websites and kind of having a person with you to walk you through what you know what, what to look for. Again, high level, I'm a fan of index funds. Index funds are low expense ratios, so they're very low cost to us as consumers. Um, they are typically the indexes are typically very large, like you can buy an SP 500 index fund, which invests in the SP 500. So it's very diversified and very, you know, it's, it's 500 companies that you're dealing with. I'm not a fan of picking stocks. You know, I don't say, oh, yeah, go out and buy ABC company and this company and that company. I don't, that's not something that I would, even as a financial advisor, um, we weren't stock pickers. We had mutual funds. We had different, you know, portfolios and worked with different managers. So, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, they have all these portfolio managers that do all that homework for you and do all the research. So all you've got to decide is what type of, you know, either sector you like, maybe you like the financial sector or the electricity or the energy sector or hospitality. I mean, there's many, many, you know, industries, or you can just do more global. Like I mentioned, the S&P 500, um, there's, you know, large cap companies, there's small cap companies, meaning there's the larger companies versus the smaller companies. Um, there's, you know, there's many, many different kinds of funds. I mean, that's a, that's probably another two hour conversation. But jumping on the website to start is is a great way just to get familiar with it. And to get on, I'm sorry, to get on what to start? Uh, one of those sites, like the the Fidelity, Vanguard, Schwab, or whatever brokerage account you know place that you have. Um, and my one of my early recommendations is to set up an automatic investing plan so that there's money automatically taken out of your checking account and sent directly to that account that you open every single month. Yeah. And you can decide how much you want. I mean, you can do 20 bucks a month if you want. You can do $200 a month. You can do whatever you want. And it can be whatever date you want. So if you say, you know what, on the 10th of the month, I want to send 20 bucks or 200 bucks to this fund, then it's done automatically. You don't need to think about it. It's on autopilot. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm, okay. Already I get my brain goes, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, this is where I can help. I also do one-on-one coaching. I, I do private coaching as well. One thing I want to add here is that if you are putting money in the market, Uh that money that you're investing in the market should not be anything that you need in the next 
five to seven years. The market is very volatile. Right. Okay. So yeah. if you're buying a house and you're trying to save for a down payment, that money should not be sitting in the market. If you're going to buy a house in the next you know, three to five years, it should be either in a fixed income, which is a bond market, which is very slower yields over time, but it's less volatile, um, or like a money market account, which is very liquid. So the last thing you want is when you're ready to buy your house and you go to pull out your down payment, the market has, you know, we're in this down market and you've lost money. And now you're like, okay, I don't have my down payment after all. So that's the last thing we want to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why we, we don't look at anything that you need, big ticket, big balance, you know, again, whether it's a down payment, a large wedding, big travel plans, um, that should be closer to home. That should be in liquid funds or, or bonds, which is safer assets. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, you know, I, looking at my mom has like a bunch of investment accounts, right? And right now, and she's, you know, over the years, she hasn't cared necessarily and they go up and down and up and down. But as now that she's like 82, she's sort of like looking at, you know, her law, the long-term investments are not necessarily as long as she would need them to be right or has been able you know has sort of been afforded to to project right and so it's like oh no this is my money and this is my money now and having being in a down market is terrifying for her (laughs) you know because if she needs it for you know emergency care or assisted living or anything like that it's it's yeah you know, it's much lower. But as you say, if it was me, I would be like, eh, whatever, you know, another 40 years, I'm okay, or 30 years or whatever, whatever I have. And, and your time horizon to retirement is certainly a very large component to how you allocate your assets and how you diversify those. Um, if your mom is 82 years old, if she's pulling money from that portfolio every month to live off of, mm-hmm. you should have seven years of whatever her expenses are that she needs a pull set aside in again either a money market or a bond fund, not in the market. So right. that way, when the market's going, you know, zippity zoodah, mm-hmm. she's not really watching it because she's not touching that money. Right. That's not. Yeah. That's not the money that she's actually needing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a separate bucket. You know, the bucket that she's pulling from is in a bond fund or in a money market account where it's you know very low volatility. So when she pulls it out, she's not going to be, you know, having to pull out when the market's down. Yeah. Thank you. I'll, I'll pass that on. (laughs) She works with, she works with some advisors, but I, you know, I'll ask her about that for women who may be listening to this and thinking I've had my head in the sand, or I've just never been the one, you know, you were the one who you've been in finance, your seemingly, you know, your whole adult career for people who this is not their world. This is, they've maybe you know, never actually managed the finances because their husband took care of it. You know, what what advice do you have for women who are kind of coming to this really new and really um, green? Yeah. So first of all, know that you're not alone and that you're in the vast majority because the vast majority um, are in this position. It's um, unfortunate that our school system does not teach you know, financial literacy in our in our schools. And I've been an advocate and trying to push for that for decades. It's been crazy. I think there are some schools across the country that are starting to put that in their classroom, but not as a core curriculum. Mm-hmm. 
that's a whole nother frustrating conversation. But anyways, um, you know, we're not taught in school. We're not typically taught at home. And so where else are we going to learn, right? So um, I think one of the first things is, again, I'm going to use this word grace because it's so important to allow ourselves to, okay, we're here now. What are we going to do moving forward? So the one of the first steps is to learn as much as you can and learn from somebody that is an expert. Stay off of stay offline and all the noise. Mm. Stay off of YouTube videos and stay off of you know Google searching because it's like when you have a, a really bad headache and you Google search bad headache and it says, Oh, you can have a brain tumor. Right. It's like holy crap, you know. So yeah. stay off of that, right? But yeah. find that you trust who is an expert expert that has the ability to guide you and walk you through this one small baby step at a time. And if you're working with an advisor who's not willing to hold your hand and walk you through that, mm-hmm. find a new advisor, work with either a financial coach, um, a life coach could be very helpful. I mean, I'm a life coach as well. I do a life coaching with the, the, the role in, in the financial coaching piece. And typically just a life coach won't have the financial background. Call in your people, talk to your CPA, talk to your attorney. If there's a family member who who um, is very comfortable with money and you feel comfortable in having this conversation with them, and I get the fact that this is not really a fun conversation. Yeah. Go in and say, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need you to walk me through this. Where do I start? What do I do? Right. Uh, and, and that's so important to have that person sit with you and go, okay, here's what we're going to do first. So my recommendation would be to start with understanding where you're at today. So yeah. I would say, get a, you know, make a list of all those debts, like I mentioned earlier, yep. and then have a separate sheet of, okay, here's what's coming in cash wise. Here's what's going out. Here's what it costs me to run my household. Mm-hmm. Look at what that budget looks like in terms of cash flow. And if I'm positive, great. If I'm negative, okay, where can I cut back? How can I earn more money to help sort of build that gap? Um, look at your net worth. So all your assets, retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, if you own a home, what equity you have in that house, that's your net worth. Okay. So get a handle on where you are today financially. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is an exercise that brings you some sense of clarity because you now know, okay, here's where I'm at. Um, and then focus on whatever you need to address quickly. So whether it's the debt, whether it's setting aside some savings to have an emergency fund, start small, set up a, you know, the automatic savings plan that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, look at where you can cut back so you can fill that, you know, automatic plan. Um, and then, and then start looking at investing. What does that look like for uh, moving forward? Mm-hmm. I, you know, get that knowledge under your belt with regards to the different funds, jump onto Fidelity or Vanguard and just peruse through the, the, the funds and just kind of work your way through it. Yeah. There's actually, People you can talk to at Fidelity and Vanguard and, and Schwab and just say, you know, help me understand reading these charts. Help me understand this. Mm. And so just start doing your whole, and they have a lot of online classes too. They've got different things that you, they're short, you know, um, pieces that will help you kind of navigate through their site and, and funds and whatnot. So take advantage of that stuff. Um, and if I can help, I'm happy to do that as well. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So one more question, um, which is you, you talk about like side gigs and I know this is a module in your course too, but what, like, what do you recommend for, for people? I mean, there's some, 
job. There's some, you know, it feels like, oh, it's nothing. It's like, you know, five bucks here, there kind of thing. Um, what are, but yet it can add up, right? So what are some recommendations that you have for people that can figure out for a side job? Sure. So I would say start with taking a really good inventory of what your skill set, your talents, your gifts, what is it you enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. Start with that. And oftentimes we don't even know ourselves what that is. So ask, you know, a sibling or a close friend and say, okay, what do you think I'm good at? What am I, what, what, what's the skill set that you think I'm good at that I can actually earn some income? Yeah. And they might say something that'll like, oh, wait a minute, I didn't even think about that. Like they might say, oh, you know what? You write really well. Why don't you look at doing some copywriting for somebody? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can go into Fiverr, which yeah. is V-E-R-R, and put your name on there as copywriter and start to market yourself. And they say it's five dollars, but it's not. There's lots of people on there charging a lot more than five dollars. So, <laughs> you can, yeah, yeah, there's very few that are five dollars. You can earn, you know, a few. I mean, there's some people that are making thousands a month on on side hustles. And so mm-hmm. the beauty, the beauty about that is that you can do that at night. You can do that on the weekends. You can do that when you're not with the kids. And you're, yeah. if you're working a full time job, you can squeeze those things in. Really start with what you really love to do and what's your side. You know, what, what, what's your skill set? There have been people that I've seen who make money on like teaching you how to embroider. They're teaching you how yeah. to cook, you know, certain things. There's all you got to do is set your phone in front of your kitchen and, and cook. I mean, there's so many things you can do. And if you're having fun with it and, you know, social media, you know, you open an Instagram account and, you you know, work on your following. And over time, you just sort of build this this thing of fun. You just never know where it's going to go. It's something to have fun with it at the same time that's even all the better i love that you know there there are these websites and i don't know what they are but they are there's like all these like teaching websites oh yeah where you can like you know download i mean it's there's like teachable in those ones but there's which is another which is a, a fine you know all of my courses are in podia like you can do it that way, but then there are also ones that are sort of conglomerates of like all lots of different people teaching various things like cooking or, um, and I've seen a few of those and I, I don't know what the platforms are. Do you know what the platforms are? You know, I've seen Thinkific. I've seen yeah. Um what was the one that you mentioned? Podia? I've never heard Podia of that. Podia is the one that all my courses are on. It's I, I used to be on Thinkific and Podia is so much more user-friendly <laughs> for like, on the back on the on our end, like the user end, the back end is just simple. And think if it got really convoluted and and complicated, so I didn't love it. Um, and there was also payment plan issues. I can't remember what it was, but it's been a long time. You can sort of download, a, like you said, like a course on embroidery for like sixty five dollars, or like join an on join a class on the weekend. You can actually do it live. Yeah, I think it's really important that people realize that they can take all kinds of skill sets that they have that they don't even think about and make money off of it. I yeah. love what you were saying about like, find something you love and that you enjoy, right? That maybe people, you, you know, you. I love for us, especially as women, to really investigate what our superpowers are, right? The things that we are really good at, that we kind of assume everybody else is too, but we're, it's actually not true. And to allow that. And I love the idea that, like you said, ask other people, don't sit around trying to figure it out on your own. Right. right. 
ask people, your friends know you probably in many ways better than you know yourself because they have an objectively clear view of you, <laughs> whereas we do not, right? We're just mired in our critics and, you know, all of that stuff. So, and we're dealing with other stressors in life. And sometimes when we're stressed and we're, we're just in survival mode, our creativity isn't, our, our mind and our creativity isn't really allowed to flourish. So that's, right. that's why the self-care piece kind of, it, it's sort of full circle where you've got to find that stillness. You've got to look into your, t- or, or um, touch into that intuition and just let that mind have that white space that you need to yeah. let ideas come up. Absolutely. And so that's, yeah. And it takes time, but there's all kinds of opportunities. And, and so another message would be stay hopeful. There are, you know, you will come to the other side of this. You absolutely will. You know, as I had said, even though I was the money person, I still made mistakes and I got into credit card debt and, you know, I, I scratched and crawled my way out. Some years were better than others. And it's, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, one step forward, you know, three steps back, five steps. But, you know, the overall arching is moving forward. That's right. Back a year from now and go, okay, I am much better off today than I was a year ago. That's right. That's right. It it really is. And, you know, I can say, I can attest to the exact same uh, progression and then regression and then progress, right? But like, it is a steady it is a steady climb. And there were times when I slid all the way back down the mountain and, you know, you, you do, you keep going, you do keep going and you tap your resources and you ask for help. And it's so important. I love what you said about the self-care piece because, you know, the ideas that come in the quiet spaces, they are so not the ideas that are coming when you're sitting down trying and working and like trying to quote figure something out, right? It's when you yep. clear your mind, yep. and you clear the deck and you go into a meditation. That's when shit bubbles up. Like, yep. Oh shit. That's a really good idea. hundred percent. I've had some great ideas. Um, actually, I do meditation every day mm-hmm. and I've had some great ideas come up during my meditation. The other times I come up is um, when I'm on a walk or on the treadmill. Yep. Exercising, shower, right? Always. It's Those always the- when you're not trying to figure it out. Like creativity flows when you're focusing on something else entirely. Yeah. And that grind and hustle mentality is like, like you said, I've got to figure this out. You will just, you know, stifle. It will absolutely be a, yeah, it's a very, very tough road. Absolutely. Absolutely. Patty, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? Of course. So my website is uh, pattyhandy.com. Just my name. It's Patty with an I. So P-A-T-T-I-H-A-N-D-Y. On the homepage there um, is a new ebook I just wrote and and, uh, added there. It's uh, Women Soaring Solo. It's a financial guide. And so download that free ebook. And then you can learn more about me and and the Minding Her Money course, which is, again, it's a... At, at home, self-study, self-paced, privacy of your own home type of uh, course. And then I do offer the one-on-one coaching as well. All that's on the website. You can learn all about that uh, over there. Sounds great. The course sounds really, really comprehensive and really good. I I, rec- I recommend, even though I haven't taken it, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> thank Patty, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your money wisdom. It was really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Kate. Likewise. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, you, my love, deserve to be happy.